Welcome back to another edition of On the Record, the Daily Iowans Weekly News Podcast, where we break down the paper's top headlines from the week. I'm your host and managing editor, Eleanor Hildebrandt, and I'm here with our producer, Carly Dahlberg. On this week's episode, we are taking a deep dive into all things elections with four special guests. We will catch up with Daily Iowan Politics editor, Natalie Dunlap. Then we'll check in with Ayrton Breckenridge, Jared Ringwald, and Grace Smith the three photojournalists who took on a longer-form photo essay on the 2022 Johnson County Board of Supervisors race. Whether you're in the car, at home, or in the classroom, we'd like to welcome you to this Friday, October 28th edition of On the Record. In case you missed anything from last week, the DI's top headlines can be found on our website. This week, the DI reported on... University of Iowa students are requesting that the main library and the Hardin Library for Health Sciences provide accommodations for people with disabilities during renovations. While the renovations are still in early stages, the university asked students in UI Students for Disability Advocacy and Awareness to weigh in on how changes to these buildings can improve accessibility. As 2022 homecoming activities begin across the University of Iowa's campus, a specific group of alumni returned to Iowa City, former CAMBUS employees. This week, CAMBUS hosted its celebration and alumni reunion in honor of homecoming week and its 50th anniversary. And after more than 50 years of performing in the same location, the Iowa City Community Theater will lose its performance space after its 68th season. The performance space nicknamed The Barn is located on the Johnson County Fairgrounds property and will be torn down to make room for a more modern, multi-use performance space. You can read all these stories and more in the Daily Iowans print editions on Mondays and Wednesdays or online anytime at dailyiowan.com. The Daily Iowans Voters Guide came out last week online and in print, showcasing several races within Johnson County and across the state. Politics editor Natalie Dunlap is here to discuss what we can look forward to in the November 8th election. Welcome back, Natalie. We're excited to have you on for the first time this semester. How's everything been going? Pretty good. Thank you. Good. And can you start by telling us just a little bit about the races going on in Iowa statewide and who's running for those offices? Yeah, so it's the midterm, so those draw less attention than the presidential elections, obviously, but they're still really important in terms of who is holding power in on the national level when it comes to Congress and also at, in our state houses. And you also elect um, local leaders like our Johnson County Board of Supervisors. So one of the big races that everyone has their eye on is Senator Chuck Grassley's re-election campaign, just because he's been in office for so long. He has what's being called his most competitive challenger in Admiral Mike Franken. But, you know, he still he still leads and is the expected winner of that based on the polls at this time. But that's one that's being watched right now. Also, um, Governor Reynolds, that's a big statewide race, her re-election. She's being challenged by Democrat Deirdre DeGier. And then in all of the congressional districts, those have been newly drawn with redistricting. In our own uh, district where the University of Iowa sits, Miller Meeks is running for re-election. She won by six votes last time. So that's was a really interesting race that got a lot of national attention. And her Democratic challenger is Christine Bohannon, who is a state representative and also a law professor at the University of Iowa. So that's an interesting race that Democrats are kind of excited about because of the margin of the race last time. But, you know, Miller Meeks does not have that incumbency, so that gives her a little bit of an edge. Oh, also I should mention the, um, this isn't a, a candidate race, so it's it's not as highly covered, but on the back of the ballot, there's kind of those less paid attention to races and you can vote on, you know, 
whether you want to retain a judge or not. But the very last thing on your ballot will be a vote on a proposed amendment to the state constitution, which would say that any laws related to the Second Amendment would have to pass strict scrutiny, which means that it will be harder to pass laws that would limit gun access or implement more gun control. So that's not as flashy of a race in that we've got two candidates, but that's an important thing that's on the back of voters' ballots. For sure, definitely something good to know considering constitutional amendments within the state constitution are not very common. And so something that that voters should definitely look at. And obviously you are going to be covering this election as our politics editor, which is very exciting. And what race exactly are you covering in a few weeks during the election? What can our listeners expect from that? And what has that campaign trail looked like for those candidates? Yeah, the race that I'll be focusing on on election night is the gubernatorial race. Like I mentioned, Governor Kim Reynolds is the incumbent and Deidre DeGere is her Democratic opponent. They had their debate last week and they have very clear differences when it comes to school funding. Um, Governor Reynolds has been a proponent of voucher programs that would put public funds into private schools and the incentive behind that that she's saying is to give parents choice and not have to force them into the public schools if they feel like they're underperforming. But um, Deirdre Dejir is saying that we should be putting more public funding into the public schools and making sure that the dollars that the state has goes to funding the public schools. They also have very clear differences on abortion stances. Uh, Governor Reynolds says that she's a pro-life candidate and she has been challenging some laws that have been struck down that her administration passed previously since the Dobbs decision that took away the Roe v. Wade, the previous president of Roe v. Wade, and uh, Deirdre Dejir is a pro-choice candidate, and she said that opinions, personal opinions, should not be in the room when a person is deciding about an abortion with their doctor. For sure, definitely some stark differences there, and the DI also, is, as PolitiFact in Iowa, did a fact check that people can read of that debate if people would like to. And so you kind of mentioned in your in your first response that this type of election, the midterms don't get as much attention as a presidential election, which will happen in in 2024. But it does still have to do with if the House and Senate at the US level gets flipped from Democrat to Republican, or if a state house potentially does. So as we examine all these different races that you've talked about, what are expected current projections or polls saying about these seats and if Iowa will remain its current red or turn potentially more blue or purple? Yeah, in that um, Senate race, like I said, Grassley is still expected to be the winner of that based on the fact that he's just been this long-term Republican incumbent, like this powerhouse of the conservative party. But he does have a, what's being called a narrow three percentage lead over Mike Franken, according to the newest Des Moines Register Mediacom Iowa poll. So yeah, he's still winning, but people do get excited that it's a small margin. The Democrats get excited just because of Grassley's strength they're they're motivated by that small difference alternatively with the gubernatorial race that i'm covering reynolds has a really significant lead over DeGere, about 17 percentage points and then some of the um congressional races are, are a little closer things are looking a little bit more competitive in um in in those congressional districts as well for sure definitely something to to keep updated on in the next coming weeks and so speaking of which the election is just a few weeks away so as people prepare to go and vote in the state of iowa what should they know about their options yeah so people can vote by mail people can vote early in person and on election day of course Voting by mail, your window has essentially closed for if you haven't already requested your absentee ballot. Those requests were due October 24th by 5 p.m. So this is past that point. But if you 
have requested your ballot and you haven't filled it out, it's best to do that sooner rather than later because the ballot must be at the county auditor's office before 8 p.m. on election night or it will not be counted. But if you still want to vote early, there are various satellite locations um, we have in our voter guide and also on the Johnson County Auditor's website. As long as you're registered within the county, you can show up at these locations and do that early voting, get that done if you don't want to be stressed out on election day. Or of course, you can go to your designated precinct on the day of and cast your ballot on November 8th. For sure. And that's a little bit different than in past years because we've seen some of those election laws change, especially with absentee ballots having to be in office by November 8th at 8 p.m. It used to be that it just had to be postmarked before that. So definitely something that people should keep an eye out for. And with November 8th being so close and coming up, what should readers of The Daily Iowan or listeners of On the Record expect from the DI's coverage of the midterm election this year? Yeah, well, we're working on um, preparing for that right now. We've got several people assigned to a couple different races. And yeah, we'll have a night of coverage coming out. So you can keep up with our social media and our our politics page because we'll be reporting on the results and the implications of those results as uh, things are being confirmed. We'll definitely have to stay tuned to dailyiowan.com on November 8th. But thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Natalie, and, and talking about the voter's guide. Hopefully we'll see you again soon. Awesome. Thank you. Three DI photojournalists took on a photo and written project this fall, taking a deeper dive into the Johnson County Board of Supervisors race and the candidates vying for the two open seats. Films editor Ayrton Breckenridge, creative director Jared Ringwald, and photojournalist Grace Smith are here to discuss the candidates they followed before the November 8th election. Welcome to you all. We're excited to have all three of you on the podcast for each of your first appearances. How has your week been going so far? Pretty good. Yeah, mine's been pretty good, I guess. I've been fantastic. (laughs) Good to hear, good to hear. And so, first of all, obviously, this is audio, so if you can kind of introduce yourself and then also tell us a little bit about your candidate or candidates that you covered for your Board of Supervisor race stories. Well, um, my name is Jared. I covered John Green. He's originally born in Wyoming, but made the move as a child to come to Johnson County after his parents wanted to get a little closer to his family. And throughout his childhood, he found out he wanted to be a little more progressive. So now he's pursuing those opportunities in Johnson County. I'm Grace. I hung out with V. Fixmer-Reyes, one of the Democratic candidates for the board, and yeah, V has hopped around as a kid, as a military kid, and they ended up in Iowa after their wife, Natalie, got a job about 10 years ago, and they're raising two kids, Emmons and Salso. And then I also followed around Jamie Bradshaw, who is a Republican candidate, and she was formerly in the military where she met her husband, James, and she and James are raising four kids kids outside of Lone Tree. My name is Ayrton Breckenridge. I followed the candidate Phil Hemingway. He's a Republican candidate. I guess just to know more about him, he's born and raised in Johnson County. The only time he's resided out of Johnson County is when he traveled abroad in Belize primarily, but then also to several locations in Africa in the former Soviet Union doing uh, several different jobs. Um, When he was in Belize, that's actually where he met his wife uh, and they raised their daughter, Monica, who graduated from the University of Iowa and now is starting her own family. Yeah, and obviously, as you all mentioned, there are Democrats and Republicans in this race, and there are four people for two seats. So what led to these four candidates being selected by county residents? I think with John and V especially, Johnson County is pretty progressive, so it made sense for them to fill the roles that they do. I was at John's watch party, 
and he didn't even really seem that nervous about it. So I think he's been pretty comfortable about this election all year. Yeah, V has worked for the board for about five and a half years as Johnson County Historic Poor Farm Manager. So in February, they were approached by a few board members and they mentioned that V should run for the board. And so they did. And then for Jamie, once Jamie and James and their family moved to Iowa, she and James started going to the Johnson County Republicans of Iowa. And there she heard about the open seat and she decided to run. Phil, he, um, his experience that he kind of brings to the table is he has his own business, Phil's Repair, and he just brings his, I guess, I wouldn't know if you'd call it business analytics to the table on how he likes to approach different policies, um, but he also served some time on this uh, Iowa City School Board, and those are some of the aspects he brings to the table. And I think he, when he talks about like Republicans and Democrats, um, he just wants people to look beyond that and look at like what he's done, regardless of what political party he's affiliated with, because I know he talks about how no matter what, he's just there to serve the community, even if it goes against what his personal beliefs or policies may be. For sure. And and for some context, Phil has ran a couple of times before and John is a current sitting Board of Supervisors member because he won a special election in this past year. And obviously you spent a lot of time with these candidates, several hours to not only shoot photographs of them and showcase their, their lives, but also write these longer form pieces. So can you tell us a little bit about these candidates' lives before the campaign started, before they decided to hop on and, and run for these seats? How did Phil, the John, and Jamie all get to Johnson County and end up with a political beliefs that they have now. Well, for John, he had a very interesting route. Um, When he was four years old, his uh, father was bit by a spider. Um, At the time, they had been a very middle-class family, um, but the spider bite left him with a little bit of a debt medically just from the bill. And then when they had made the move to Iowa City, their family dealt with that medical debt for a long time coming. And he discovered that he wanted to pursue uh, better medical opportunities for everyone involved, just like his political hero. His political hero is Bernie Sanders. So he kind of took after him. Yeah, so like I said earlier, V um, grew up moving from military base to military base. And so eventually they ended up in San Francisco after high school, and they lived there for a few years before transferring to UNC Chapel Hill. And that's where they participated in political drag, and that's where they met Natalie. And then eventually they moved to Iowa because Natalie got a job to work at the university. And here they started Ostig Planning, which is basically a planning service striving for healthy ecosystems and equity through advocacy. And they used their passion for the environment and planning to start that. And that's been happening since February 2019. He's also involved in the Johnson County Affordable Housing Coalition and serves the role of vice president. As stated earlier, Phil was born and raised in Johnson County, so he's kind of just been around these neck of the woods for a while, you could say. Um, And his political beliefs, I didn't talk about this as much on how it got started, but his parents actually were very involved with the Johnson County Republicans when he was a kid. And I believe... I'm a blank on the name, but the owner of Dane's Dairy uh, once ran, and that's a close family friend of theirs, and that's when he first started to realize that's kind of the political path is kind of what he wanted. And I think partially because he was kind of raised Republican, that's kind of where he stuck. Um, One interesting fact about him is that his brother, David, is actually a Democrat, 
um, which I just think is an interesting dynamic out of a family that was Republican. Jamie and James met um, during their time in the Air Force, and for the first few months of dating, they were like very far apart. James was in Kurdistan and Jamie was in Germany, and eventually they got back together, and then they got married and moved to Oklahoma, and then it, at the end of 2018, Jamie received a job offer with an agriculture company in Johnson County, and then they moved here. And obviously a major part of the story is the election that's happening on November 8th. It's a midterm election. And these are seats that are up after these candidates were selected in the June primary. And so if your candidate, the person that you followed, is elected to one of the two seats on the Board of Supervisors, what would they want to change or work toward? And what are the changes that Johnson County residents could potentially see? John is very protective of the environment. There's been controversy on whether or not a pipeline that could carbon through Johnson County get put in on the north side. And he's been very against that. He also has been supportive of police reform, making it more humane. Uh, And then along with that, he wants to use the American Rescue Plan um, and distribute it in a way to get more affordable housing, transportation, childcare, and better nutrition. Very progressive, yeah. V and John have similar goals in the fact that V wants to use their position in the Johnson County Affordable Housing Coalition to work toward affordable housing for all of Johnson County. And they they also really want to keep working toward climate change and social justice. And then V, who is a transgender biracial individual and identifies as queer, also wants to be that voice for underrepresented or marginalized communities in Johnson County. Jamie wants to address property taxes, which she said are far too high in the county. So what she would do is lower the Board of Supervisors' salaries and put that money toward paying off property taxes. And then Jamie also hopes to be that voice of rural Johnson County by preserving livestock confinement spaces. And she said that she wants to represent farmers on the board. If Phil gets elected to the board, or as he likes to tell me, when he gets elected to the board, um, his approach in certain aspects are similar to Jamie's in the fact that he does not like to see the, the salary increase of the supervisors currently. He basically does not want to seek a, a wage increase in salary, and he actually, from the time he first ran in 2018, which I believe it was roughly 70k, and now it's pushing 100k or maybe 90k, So there's a $20,000 difference there. He doesn't like to see that increase in salary. He doesn't see why people, compared to his time at uh, the Iowa City School Board, why someone that oversees less employees and a smaller budget, why they should get paid more than, I guess, other areas. And right now, he says he'll donate every year's um, $20,000 extra in salary to schools in Johnson County that have either form of agriculture classes or an, an FFA program. And because that's something that he grew up on and he sees the value in having jobs that are outside of college. He supports college education. He just knows that not that's not the path for everyone. And he just, from his own experience, he realized the benefit of having those opportunities can bring to the table and the job opportunities he brings. And he, I even asked a question. I didn't put it in the story along the lines of, well, if that money went elsewhere, where would it go? And I think one of the topics he, he spoke on was like infrastructure, like the bridges around here aren't exactly the best. And I think we even did a story on it. Mm-hmm. So just making sure like Johnson County is livable and it's up to up to par. For sure. I think the 
that story came out last week and it said that Iowa City has the worst bridges in Iowa. So something that's very relevant right now to Iowa Cityans. And so obviously you spend a lot of time with these people and you know a lot about them from whether they took you to their work or the library or to hang out with their kids. So what's something Johnson County residents might not know about the candidate that you covered and interacted with that you think they might want to know? I think for John, I thought one of the most interesting parts about him was that he was originally a photojournalist himself. So as I was covering him and making these photographs, I was a little just like aware that he was a photojournalist. So he, he showed me his camera a couple of times and we talked a lot about how he had covered this game in Wyoming where he originally got into photojournalism, where he shot it in black and white and it was snowy and the background of Wyoming just makes the photo look really dramatic. And I think he's really proud of that. I also probably publicized. Uh, he has two dogs, Roscoe and Snoopy, and they are the most like amazing dogs possible. Uh, they were like all over you. They're not scared to run up on you. Yeah. So he's got quite the supply of livestock on his Lone Tree property. Jamie and her family, as of the beginning of October, owned 11 heads of cattle, including like longhorns, and that's really cool and they really enjoy that. And also for Jamie and James, something that they always push for like raising their kids is that their kids just spend a lot of time like outside in nature and like doing things that they enjoy. I think it's really cool that they um, give that freedom to their children. And then V went to the Philippines on a Fulbright scholarship where they focused on climate change impacts on bamboo farmers from October 2011 to August 2012. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that I could talk about, but I think there's like a small story um, that I had just when I was with him. I remember he has an oil can that he uses to uh, line a new oil filter. And as he was talking about it, I think he was just smiling and reflecting on this oil can. And I just thought it was like kind of interesting. And he told me about it, how it's like a USA uh, handcrafted tool that is on the market. It'd probably be a lot of money, but I think he got it for, I think under $5 at a, at a garage sale. And I was like, well, that's, I feel like that kind of common, but I think he paired it with the fact that that kind of relates to his knack to always get like the best deal for his business. But also um, that's just one thing he does with his wife, Anita, to like spend time with her is they kind of just go places and um, look for good deals or things that they can decorate their house with. And I think that was just, I thought that was like a cool small moment that even though it was just a small fraction of their life, I thought it was like kind of interesting and like an insider's look, you wouldn't really get that from the outsider's perspective. For sure. Well, thank you all so much for being on the podcast today and chatting with us and sharing these really cool stories. We hope to have you all back together or separately at some point soon. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening. Follow The Daily Iowan on social media and check our website for breaking news updates and the latest campus and Iowa City related news. We'll see you next week for a new edition of On the Record. <laughs>